What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Drew Drake, up in the building, and today I'm joined by Mr. David Wise. Davey, let the folks know what we're talking about on today's show. Guys, we are talking top three. Are we doing top three, Drake? We're going to do top three at the defensive line position. Then we're going to roll over to the defensive back. And then we're going to talk about potential breakout candidates for our pro day. I like the way you said that. That was really like cool, calm, and concise. But folks, yeah. thank you all so much for the love and support and making Locked on Sentinels your first listen each and every single day. Now, with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. It's your boy, Drake, and as I said at the top of the hour, I am joined by Mr. David Wise, Esquire. I feel we always need to mention that, even though I also am an Esquire, but that's neither here nor there. Dave, how's your day going, by the way, my guy? It's going great, Drake. I had a Cornish game hen for dinner, which is always a delight. I highly recommend that to those of you that haven't heard of it. Wow, what a treat. Yeah, Cornish game hens, I think, are top five most underrated foods, and I will put that right next to Publix meatloaf, folks. Publix meatloaf is probably – Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's underrated. It is a phenomenal dish, but but we will be making our transition to the food podcast at a later date today. Right. We are discussing FSU football. Primarily, mm-hmm. we'll be discussing actually the power rankings for who we each think are the top three best defensive linemen actually at the school right now. Hey, Drake, it, before we do that, I feel like we owe everybody a thank you. We have officially been on the air now for one full calendar year. Thank you, everybody, for being with us and putting up with our shenanigans and enjoying our delightful content every day. Yeah, seriously, folks, we have been here for a year now officially as of, I think, a few days ago. And quite honestly, we are able to spit our opinions, whether you agree with them or you hate them or you drag us on Twitter or you applaud us, you know, because you guys come back each and every single day. And we will not be here without each of y'all. I love you. Dave loves y'all. Max, of course, he loves y'all. Holly, Stacy, they love you. But seriously, though, folks, thank you guys so much for love and support as always. So, Dave, why don't we discuss the defensive linemen? And I I think that's better than doing, you know, defensive ends and defensive tackles primarily because there's so many for that. But I think the line across the board is probably how we should do this. So why don't you go first with who is your number three on the defensive line? Unless you want to go first. Are we doing it back? So we're doing backwards. Three, two, one. Three. Yeah. Three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. I got a list for you. Okay. Number three, Dennis Briggs. Dennis Briggs, for those of you that don't know, was FSU's most effective pass rusher last year. That includes Jermaine Johnson. He was limited by injury. He got hurt. But when Dennis Briggs was in the game, and by the way, he had held out for COVID, as I, or he had sat out for COVID, right? Yes. Um, the year prior, yeah, came back, even though he didn't need to, and absolutely balled out. Dennis Briggs, whatever it is that he was doing during that time, clearly reshaped his game because he was a force and if he looks anything like what we saw last year from Dennis Briggs we're gonna have a scary interior defensive line so yeah I mean he could end up being number one on that list like he has I I feel like his floor based on the way he played isn't that low but his ceiling is super high as high as anybody on the defensive line 
I can agree with that. Actually, he's on my list, but he's on number three. Well, I'll get to him more actually a little bit later. But my number three actually is Robert Cooper. And that's primarily, I think, Robert Cooper has been a mainstay on this defensive line, basically teaming up, as always, with Mr. Fabian Lovett, who is also on this list. But to me, Robert Cooper, each and every single year, has taken somewhat of a step forward, right? Right. Whether he was, you know, teaming up with Marvin Wilson, teaming up with Fabian Lovett, like you see him dropping weight and kind of also becoming that sort of dancing bear up the middle and being able to clog the run gaps and also make Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas last year actually be able to perform their jobs much, much better. So to me, like yeah. Robert Cooper is my number three. And then I'm going to go straight to number two because he's actually your number three. And that's Dennis Briggs. Dennis yeah. Briggs was someone that a lot of people, I don't think expected much out of when he came to FSU because, you know, he had that transition class kind of, you know, wear and tear on there. And he also, he, actually did sit out for COVID, but then he came out and he probably, if he wasn't, if he didn't get hurt, he might've actually tied or even surpassed Jermaine Johnson with sacks. And also he has the versatility of being on the inside and also becoming at the Fox position, right? He's someone that you see get stronger each and every single day. And I'm actually very excited to see him actually probably be the most, he's definitely in my person, the most important piece on this defensive line. But to me, he definitely, like you said, the sky is the limit with him, and it it doesn't you know it doesn't hurt that the floor with him is actually a lot higher than you know pass rushes for the past few years. Yeah, it makes sense. Just like I said, and for number two for me, I feel like it would be an easy or like a, a popular answer to say Jared Verse, but he's not my number two. I think Jared Verse, much like Dennis Briggs, could end up being number one on this list. Um, we just have no idea, so I'm not going to put him above other players on this list who I've seen perform at a high level. And your number three is my number two, ironically. Um, Robert Cooper is one of the most unheralded players on this defense. He has, in three of his four seasons at FSU, he has graded over 72 by PFF, including a run defense grade last year of almost 78, tackling 76, pass rush 73. It was his best pass rush season at FSU last year. He has improved since his time here. And he started off as a great player. Uh, We don't, it's hard to ask for players like that on the interior defensive line because Jimbo Fisher's big thing was always, you got to load up on the trenches. You got to get the big boys inside. Um, Well, Robert Cooper was a blue chip recruit on the inside for Florida State. And he's one of those players that when he leaves, we're going to have a hard time replacing, I think, because we haven't recruited the same at your interior defensive line position as we did when we were recruiting Robert Cooper. So I expect a big year out of him to have him as somebody who may even be coming off the bench as like a a third guy in the interior defensive line rotation is absolutely silly. So I expect him to put himself in a position to be drafted in the first few rounds next year. And based on his performance at FSU, he's extremely important to the success of this team. No, I mean, I completely agree with that. And the only reason why I don't have him higher is because I think that we saw the capabilities of both Dennis Briggs and my number one, which I am kind of have a feeling that we both have the same number the one. same. Yeah. You, want, you, you want to sit on three? Yeah. One, one two, two, three. three. Fabian, Fabian Lovett. Love it. Yep. It's, and, and I'll take this one a little bit for that because maybe yeah. primarily Fabian Lovett he he's the, he's in his money year. I mean, we saw that the year, like I think two years ago when he came in his first year, he wasn't, he didn't do much if we're being honest with you. I mean, he, we had Marvin Wilson ahead of him who, you know, didn't have sort of the sort of Marvin Wilson kind of uh, final year that we were all expecting. But then last year he basically became out like a man possessed, right? 
Like he was setting the tone across the across the uh, across the mill. Now, I'd be surprised and wonder to see like how much of that was Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas kind of making his job a little bit easier. But you see that Fabian Love, and you hear also as well that in practice he's probably one of the first ones in, last one out. He's working extremely, extremely hard. He wore a black jersey at tour duty, which I know for some people that don't care about that, that kind of shows like the commitment he's making towards honing his craft. And then you see the production actually was skyrocketing last year. And to me, the, the sky is the limit with him. And he's someone that he definitely, I think, can make himself into a second-round pick in this coming draft. So to me, this Fabian Love is someone that we definitely uh, rightfully so have the top of the uh, power rankings. Yeah, um, I will say this. It's ironic because of the three that I mentioned, Dennis Briggs, Robert Cooper, and Fabian Lovett. Fabian Lovett was pretty significantly the worst rated of the three on PFF. He's one of those weird examples where I'm not going to claim to know football better than the guys at PFF. Um, yeah, again, I, think, I, I, think, I think you do, but hey. That's I, I like to think I'm the voice of the fan here. And I have eyes. I watch tape. And every time, every time I saw a play blown up in the backfield, it was one of two people. It was Jermaine Johnson, or it was Fabian Lovett, it just seemed like. Um, I loved what I saw from him last year. Here's what's scary, uh, in a good way and in a bad way. I've named you three people. They were all interior defensive linemen. Dennis Briggs, Robert Cooper, Fabian Lovett. There's no one on the outside that I consider to be within the top three of our, of our defensive line. However, the interior defensive line both has a 3D that is among the best of our line. And also the starters, I think, are the two best starters on the defensive line. So Fabian Lovett, I expect to take another huge step forward this year. Um, in the mo- Not quite in the mold of what Jermaine Johnson did. I would never expect somebody else to do what he did last year. That's not year. fair, man. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not. But Fabian Lovett, again, it, it just seems like every time you're watching and you're focusing on him and you need a play from him, he's in the right spot. And that's what you want out of a defensive lineman, especially a guy that's weighing over 300 pounds in the middle. And yeah, I expect him to anchor this defensive line this year. I will say to push back a little bit on your defensive end thing, my, my main reason for not having them in the top three is because I think we actually have some sort of like not the greatest of depth. I think we have better depth coming into the year. We saw Quayshon Fuller actually perform towards the end of the year. Like I said, he's my breakout candidate for the, for the spring practices and also probably the 2022 season. And also Dennis Briggs will be playing inside and also on the outside, the former role that Keir Thomas actually did play. So that's kind of, you get a two-for-one special there. But you forget about Patrick Payton, a George Wilson, a Sean Bray Jackson, a Joshua Farmer. And those are all kids that, you know, I know they're younger, but for once we're able to, like I said, for the offensive line, we don't have to play these kids when they're basically fresh out of high school, 18 or 19, and they have a full year or two under the belt to fully develop, which is, you know, super, super nice. But folks, you know what's not super nice? My bracket right now. My bracket right now is totally shot because your boy had Kentucky and Iowa in the final four, and oh. both were eliminated yeah. within the first weekend of March Madness. Did y'all take them? And now your brackets are busted. Mine's not looking too great, but I still got some cash from Stat Hero Pick'em because Stat Hero is the place to be, the app to use, and the website to go. And personally, it's my new favorite platform. And if you haven't checked out this new platform, you are really missing out. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on news promo code. Locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 100%. That's right, folks, a 100% deposit match. And that's stathero.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Folks, it's Stat Hero. It's March Madness. You can probably make it up a little more 
into heading into week two. So folks, head on over to stathero.com today, promo code locked on. Terms and conditions may apply. And when you're done at Stat Hero, trust me, folks, it's March, so you know what time it is. Basically, your resolutions are kind of winding down. Stay strong with me. Head out over to built.com and get yourself a delicious built bar. You know, Dave is the cookie dough Casanova down there. I'm part of the Cherry Barcia Brigade, and you got Max over there, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie armada. Folks, built bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and also 17 grams of protein. The fact that these taste so good and are nowhere near bad for you is basically, basically, I had to see, and if you don't like any of those three flavors, there are 16 more to choose from, and they have a new brownie puff that just came out. Folks, if you don't believe me, head over to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you get a 15% welcome bonus off your first order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. All right, Dave. Now that we got defensive linemen out the way, I think some honorable mentions we had, you know, for Joshua Farmer, Jared versus another one. Malcolm Ray. Fuller. Malcolm Ray, too. Wow, I can't believe we have Malcolm Ray. That kid apparently is also showing up in practices, which is yep. another one that he might be someone to see. But let's move over to the skill position players on the defense side of the ball. Me and you are a little more, I guess, tuned in when it comes to defensive backs. So yeah. if we're, we'll do a top three again for this one because there's a lot of people to choose from. Uh, why don't you go first with number three? Yeah, so just as a disclaimer, I'm going to assume for purposes of this list that Jarvis Brownlee won't be joining us for the upcoming season. Actually, I think you should leave him on because apparently his picture is still in the locker room. Like you, you know, you I see, hear you. You see how they I still do. they still um uh, they still actually the locker room changed. It's, if yeah. it's still if it's still up there, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. Okay, you know what? F- it. All right, Jarvis Brownlee, number three. Um, Jarvis Brownlee is an odd player because he gives up some plays and coverage that just make you question whether that's a guy that should be starting as a cornerback on your team. But then every time like you're paying attention to him, like pre-snap, you're saying, okay, that's Jarvis Brownlee. I'm going to watch what he does. He is killing somebody if they catch the ball. Like I've always compared him to Bob Sanders because he just hits with such a reckless abandon. And like, is such a good player in run defense. He is not scared, even at his size, to come into the box and pop somebody. And he doesn't play like a traditional cornerback. It's rare to find a corner these days who's going to come into the box like a strong safety. And that's him. And if he is not available for us this year, I think it's a loss for us in the sense of physicality in the defensive backfield. I think it's possible that the coverage could get better among the DBs if he were to not be on the team this year for whatever reason. Um, But if he's out there, I expect Jarvis Brownlee to be starting as a cornerback and to be impacting plays with his physicality. I really almost had him at number three. He's actually my honorable mention list. I won't say he's not my top three because I do think that we have better options at the defensive back room. And one of them, in my personal opinion, is probably the less talked about of the freshman from last year, and that's Kevin Knowles. And I know Kevin Knowles is a little more, I guess, the smaller type of cornerbacks that we have, kind of in the mold of a Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, they're basically from the same area in South Florida. But Kevin Knowles, basically, he came on very hot. Then he kind of had our two or three games where he kind of got burned a little bit, kind of a little bit abused. And then the Miami game kind of, like, switched on a little bit, especially with him teaming up with the Marion Cooper, who actually is a little bit higher on my list. To me, Kevin Knowles is someone that I think you wouldn't be surprised if he's your primary cornerback, too, 
heading into the season, even if Brownlee is back. Because I think Brownlee, like you're right, that he is actually amazing at the run stopping. I just think his coverage skills in the cornerback spot is leave a lot to be desired because he gets burned a lot. And I've said that before, I want Brownlee at safety. If Brownlee played safety, I would be fine. But we're also low at safety when it comes to Keem Dent, Renato Green, Sandy Williams. So to me, I think Kevin Knowles is definitely your third best corner on this team. Oh, Drake. Oh, Drake. Am I, 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 I'm going to make an... I'm going to make an asshole out of myself. I'm going to do it. I'm tripling down. F*** it. Travis Jay is number two on this list. He is going to be one of the best defensive backs on this team. He's going to be one of the best players on this team. At this point, I'm pot committed. For those of you that have played poker, you know what I'm talking about. You've thrown way too much money in there at this point, And you're like, F*** it. I got to pay to see the river. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm paying to see the river. Travis Jay is going to be one of the best defensive backs on this team. He has all the talent. He didn't play up towards it last year. You see flashes from him. It's extremely frustrating. He's so frustrating as a player because some plays it's like, oh, wow, that's the best defensive back we have. And then some plays it's like, who's that walk on? Well, I'm here to tell you, this is his year to either figure it out or transfer to a D2 school. That's That's where we're at. And somebody with the potential to be drafted, I would hope, I would pray has the right guy in his ear telling him, shut the hell up, play football, focus on that and do nothing else. And if he does that, I absolutely think he can be the best defensive back on this team and an NFL draft pick. It's all up to him. All up to him. I'm not going to respond to that, but I, I am proud of you though. For actually staying with your convictions, Dave, for, yeah, you know what, Dave, that's why I would love you. That's why we keep you here. Uh, for number right, my number two, this is actually a little tougher for me. I think I'm going to go actually a little bit outside the box and I'm going to go with Jamie Robinson. I think that was probably going to be your number one. Uh, Jamie Robinson, I, I know, but I want a little bit of a controversy when we're, you know, talking about this today. So for Jamie Robinson to me, that he is probably most definitely your, your leader of your defense, right? When it comes to secondary, I mean, he's someone that, you know, is probably being asked on to have a much bigger role take the role that Jermaine Johnson kind of left behind, kind of a passing of the torch, so to speak. I mean, we saw like he he was able to rebound from the Jacksonville State game where he was one of the you know defensive backs in coverage that you see kind of, you know, pulling up a little bit. But then he approved each and every single, you know, game afterwards. And he's someone that he's not the fastest, but he is someone that plays, like you're saying about Brownlee, with a reckless abandon, with a wanton disregard for anyone with a football in their hand on the other team that you love to see in an old-school safety, right? And that's someone that he has decent ball skills, but he definitely knows how to coordinate everyone else on the back end. So to me, that's someone that, while he might not be the most talented, that's why I don't have him at number two, I think he probably is your most important, but we're talking about best and not important. And to me, he's your second-best player on your def- on your defense when it comes to defensive backs. Well, I may as well add to that then at this point because he is absolutely my number one. I totally agree with you that the passing of the torch from Jermaine to Jamie feels natural. Um, it's interesting that my number one, um, as it would have been last year, with I, I, I thought I thought the world of Jermaine Johnson coming in, and he lived up to it more. But transfers, man, uh, they've made all the difference for Florida State. It's scary to think that we've missed a bowl game two years in a row, and without transfers. Uh, I don't know that we would have won more than three games. I think Jermaine Johnson had that much of an impact. I think Jamie Robinson had that much of an impact. Baby in love it too. Who's transfer? Right, exactly. Um, Jamie, I don't think people appreciate how good he is. 
he could have easily have, have declared for the draft this year. And I, I think he would have been drafted. Um, probably not where he wanted, which is why he came back. I think he probably would have been a mid-round draft pick. But nonetheless, five or six, yeah. he, he played his way into being an NFL player and to have an opportunity to make an NFL a 53-man roster. Um, he graded 70 or better in every major category on PFF. Um, he had a run grade, a run defensive grade uh, over 71, a tackling grade over 86, pass rush 78, and coverage 75.8. He is he has no real weaknesses, um, which in a safety that is coordinating and leading the defense out there is exactly what you want. Somebody who doesn't have any real weaknesses, who you trust in coverage, but who you also trust to step into the box. Jamie Robinson is going to be the leader of this team, barring and I'm not going to wood injury. Um, I expect him to do nothing but improve on his, on his draft stock and to improve a defense that as the year went on, got better and better in, in large part because of him. Obviously, no. I mean, like I do, like I said before, I think he's the most important kid in that room, but I do think that there are, I mean, there's a few kids I think are more talented. The reason I don't have Renardo Green as number one is because of the same thing I, you know, give Jordan Travis Flack for, and that's, you know, his injury history. He needs to prove to me yeah. a little more that he can be fully healthy over the course of a year. And I haven't said Keem Dent or Sydney Williams mainly because I need to see them, you know, have a full season fully healthy. And that's why I'm going to go with someone that's been basically not a late bloomer, but someone that came on very, you know, great at the end of the last year. And that's Amarion Cooper. Amarion Cooper, I think, was probably one of the more less talked about defensive backs in the class overall. I mean, I remember the only thing that we discussed about him was that he was almost going to fl- flip over to Michigan on National Sign Day. And then I don't know where you hear, you know, Kevin Knowles doing great in practice. Hunter Washington is doing great in practice. But then you hear about Amarion Cooper is slowly, you know, taking over the role. And then he comes out to the Miami game and has what, two interceptions that game? He's able to take in a big time rivalry game. He takes it over like that. And then you see over the course of the rest of the year, he probably is probably your most talented cornerback. So to me, I think it's no brainer when it comes to basically who is number one, who's cornerback one when the season starts. And like I said before, I don't think Brown is going to start even if he does come back. So I think it's going to be Amarin Cooper at the top. And that's why I have him as my number one best defensive back in my power rankings. Yeah, and if you didn't know this about Omarion Cooper, you should, which is to say if Jarvis Brownlee is not available or isn't playing this year, Omarion Cooper isn't such an odd fit to replace him. Um, Omarion Cooper was a blue-chip defensive back, um, like Drake said. Other top schools were competing for him. But what sets him apart, in my view, as a true corner is his run defensive grade, man. He was over 83 last year. He didn't have a single game where he was truly bad at run defense and add to that, that his tackling grade was uh, 75.8 and he only had one game and it was his first game ever uh, against Louisville that was under 70. So he, he got better as the year went on. Like you said, late bloomer. Um, he excels in run defense. Well, no, no, no. I said, like he, didn't have, he didn't have his first start till Miami. He was playing reserve during those other games. Right, right, right. Yeah. But he got better as the year went on with each game he played. And the two things that I found interesting with him, like I was saying, are, are run defensive and ta- run defensive tackling, which uh, run defense is something Brownlee excelled at. So if he's not available, uh, that may actually be more natural of a fit than you would think. I don't think anybody's going to replace that level of physicality, but yeah, he absolutely is an honorable mention of mine and should be one of the four or five most important defensive backs for sure on the team. He's number one in my heart, though. But, folks, 
when you need to, you know, go to the number one spot for all your latest, you know, car or auto parts needs, head over to rockauto.com. As I said before, and I will say it again, shout out to my Theo Francisco down in Delaware Beach, Florida. He's been a customer for of Rock Auto for the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years since he opened up his shop since we went from Panama. But folks, whenever, whether it's, you know, getting a new fuel pump, going over the chain store, or maybe you're like me who spills his coffee every damn morning when he leaves Dunkin' Donuts and his carpeting or on his seat and he needs a new upholstery, rockauto.com has it cheaper than most of all the other competitors because you go to a chain store or a car dealership, they'll charge you 30, 50, or even 100% more than usual. Send over to rockauto.com and use then write in locked on L O C K E D O N in their How'd You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Rockauto.com, a family place to family place to go, maiden selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. That is rockauto.com, folks. And today we are wrapping up today's show with basically what's going to be kind of the biggest, you know, most important guess track meet, if you will, if you want, if that's how you look at the combines or pro days. FSU's Pro Day is happening, I think, March 22nd is what I think just oversaw. Dave, what are you going to be looking at, actually, when you see the Pro Day going on? Well, uh, Drake, as you know, there was very limited participation by Florida State's roster in the NFL Combine. And that limitation was specifically Jermaine Johnson, who obviously balled out. But nobody else had that opportunity, which was disappointing from a roster that lost Lost some players that I thought would have had an opportunity at the combine, like um, Jay Sean Corbin, for example. You see running backs are like a diamond dozen these days. You just take them when they're young, burn them out as fast as you can. You don't have to pay them. I thought he would have had an opportunity after the year he had in the top oh, of the well, country. He, to be fair, he was there. He just didn't run. That's, that's, that's what I mean. He's going to have to do that here. He's going to have to prove that he has the wheels to get the job done. He can't go out there and just run like a four, six. I don't think that's going to get him drafted. Guy like him, top of the country, yards per carry. Um, I expect, I expect him to have done nothing but prepared for this day because him getting drafted or not depends totally on this. Like he's the kind of guy that could either be on a Canadian football league roster next year or be a mid round draft pick, depending on, if he runs a four, four, five or a four, six, like that 0.15 of a second will make all the world of difference to a guy like Jason Corbin in my view. Right. I can agree with that. And folks, for those of you that don't know the other participants, you know, uh, along with Jason Corbin and Jermaine Johnson are Mackenzie Milton to Kalen Brooks, Devonte Love, Taylor, Miko Dotson, Jordan Wilson, Andrew Parchment, Pierre Thomas and Emmett Rice. And, I mean, you're right about that. I think that Jay Sean will definitely run probably like a four, five and a half, maybe a four, six, and he'll probably be, to me, I have him as like a third ground, third, third ground, a third round or a fourth round grade. To me, I want to see how two specific players actually do in the do in the pro day. The first one is Kier Thomas, who, you know, you can probably talk a little bit more about that, but I think Kier Thomas was kind of done a disservice by not getting invited. He probably was the, quite honestly, the third most important person on that entire defense last year. I mean, we saw basically during the Louisville game where Adam Fuller is calling some questionable defensive plays and you just see him chewing out Adam Fuller. Like, hey, listen, you know, I'm trying to tell you what I'm seeing right now. And that kind of, you can tell, like, kind of catapult the defense to do that, that half of, you know, them not scoring any more points. Now, whether that was Louisville cleaning off the gas or basically being stonewalled, and that's here, no, there. And then I, I want to see what Andrew Parchment does. And that's mainly because I, I have the full belief that if Andrew Parchment was at a different school, he might have had a much more, I guess, better year when you look towards, like, he had 800 yards his first season at Kansas. 
the year after that, which is the year before he came here, he had a little less than 200, but he was having a wide receiver throw him the ball. So to me, this is one of those things where Andrew Parchment had definitely has the skill, the capability to be like a, a sixth round, maybe a seventh round pick. And all he has to do is run just a little bit of routes and maybe actually have the preferred quarterback of his choosing to throw him the ball. And if he knows what Mackenzie Milton, that was primarily who was the one actually where he got most, most of his stats from. So to me, I want to see how those two actually do at the pro day. Yeah, I got two guys I'm really keeping my eye on here. Um, Devontae Love-Taylor is an interesting case study because in 2020, he had like a career year. Um, He graded out at 73 overall, 71 run blocking, 84 pass blocking. Um, He was expected to come back last year and absolutely anchor this offensive line. And I think put himself in a position to be drafted in the first few rounds depending on how he played after that 2020 he had, he was bad last year. Um, if you look at his, his offensive grade overall for pass for blocking was 49.7, uh, run blocking 42.7, pass 67.6. Um, those were both the worst marks of his career, Thanks. of his five-year career. Yeah. So you've seen, uh, you've seen a year where he can be uh, one of the best blockers in the ACC. And then you've seen another year where despite the fact that the offensive line play has improved overall, he personally regressed. And there can be many reasons for that. But I think going out there and, you know, putting on a good pro day for himself and answering the right questions the right way, uh, I, think he can, I think he can point towards his 2020 tape and say, look, I know this last year, this or that. Look at the capability here. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that can – get a player drafted on the offensive line like do they have the capability have you seen it on tape what happened last year exactly uh, i think the possibility is still there i do think he'll get drafted i expect a good pro day out of him um and i'll finish up with my third one and then we can hear yours i have a weird pick for my third one is it jordan wilson it is jordan wilson i knew it because that's mine <laughs> man like every time you see him running down the field you say to yourself, who the hell is that guy? Like, he looks like Gronk out there, right? Like, he's the biggest body on the field. He's deceptively fast. He's He was expected to come in the last year being, eh, he's not the best pass catcher, but it felt like every time you threw it his way, he caught it. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's massive. Jordan Wilson is 6'4", 265. That's a big dude. Like, he has the body of, like, a big defensive end. And if he has a good pro day and he runs quick, who the hell doesn't want to try developing that into a tight end? You know who he reminds me of actually a lot. And if for those of you that are listening in South Florida area, this will probably kind of basically be a good call for him. He actually reminds me of Anthony Fasano. I don't know if you remember who that name is actually for the Miami the Dolphins. Tight end? No, no, no. He was the uh, the Dolphins tight end for a long time. And he basically the same measurables, six foot four, around two sixty. He was probably one of your better pass blocking tight ends. Like he basically is just a big body out there. But then when he has him to run a route, he's like where did this speed come from? Like, he's not super fast, but he definitely is quick enough to basically get some separation. And he also had the most reliable hands, and he he was a damn good player, and he played in the league for about 10 years. And to me, Jordan Wilson has the talent and the measurables to be like, you're never going to be a star in the league. I don't think he's going to be able to do that, but I think he's going to be able to carve out like a nice little niche of being out in the league for maybe six or eight years of being a nice path blocking tight end, like basically an Anthony Fasano, an Algie Crumpler, or basically, you know, Joshua DeGuar, I think right now for the Packers, too, I think is another one, too. So like those to me, like, hey, pass blocking tight ends are tight. Listen, that's what you want out there. And I think Jordan Wilson probably fits the bill the best. The only reason why 
we don't figure out about him more because he lost an entire year because of a knee injury his first year here. Right. 2020 was the lost year of Jordan Wilson. Like before the season even started, we expected big things of him coming from UCLA and right off the bat, tears his knee up. Uh, but again, last year, if you look at his grades, US PFF, and it's like their opinion of him is he's all right. Like he's okay. He's like a 60 something ish player. He's decent. He's like, he's, he's, he's decent. Dude, every time I kept my eyes on him, and I've said that like three times today about like these guys on my list, but. Every time you watched him catch a pass or like kept your eyes on him blocking, it seems like he was either blowing someone off the line or just like gazelling down Dude, the he's, field. He's like a him. rhino, man. Like he's like right. a rhino. When it's it takes him like an extra like three to four steps to get going, but once it gets going, it's like it's yeah. like basically it's like, oh, like just like just rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, like the damn Chris Berman quote. Like that to me is that to me is Jordan Wilson to a damn T. Yep. Love it. Love that pick. I love it too. But folks, we love y'all even more. Thank you guys so much for loving the support and coming by and listening to us. And as always, please, if you can, don't forget five-star reviews, you know, our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or if you get the podcast from. And Dave, what do you want to tell them about YouTube? Uh, You're going to want to ring or turn the notifications on so that it notifies you when we drop an episode and it rings the little bell. Is that right? Folks, like this video. Yeah, that was a very good yeah, try. Like you, want, you want to like this video too? Hit the subscribe banner at the tippy yeah. top to make sure you're up to date whenever new content drops. And ding the little bell so you know the moment that content drops that you'll be the first to know. And as always, we'll be the top of the queue. But folks, thank you so much for love and support and listening for today. We'll be back tomorrow. For Drake, that was Dave. We'll see y'all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Shout out Anthony Pisano. Jameis Winston is better than Marcus Mariota. Always and still. Forever and always, folks. Take care. Amen.